Welcome back to the Back in Business Podcast, where we talk to entrepreneurs about how they rise after the fall, be it current struggles or past failures, and share with you, our listeners, their strategies they used to rise stronger and faster. We're your hosts, Justin Bertignoli. And I'm Joel McGalnick. You know, Justin, you seem to be getting all the interviews these days, so I'm going to take the opportunity to introduce our guest today. His name's Mike Zuri, and most recently, he's the founder of Painworth, which he'll tell you a little bit about. He's done plenty before. He had an image processing startup, but that failed to get some traction. But he's also had a lot of success with some other businesses as well as some nonprofits. Yeah, very much the serial entrepreneur that you hear about, you know, starting from when he was younger and, uh, you know, in high school. All the way back in high school. That's great. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. And he's had his hands in a lot of things, which is which is pretty exciting. And he shares some really great nuggets of wisdom throughout our conversation. Things like, you know, mentorship and how he was able to find mentors more recently, like Ashif Maji. And finding metrics that matter that are growing the business rather than just increasing the publicity of it kind of thing. Right. You know, one of those things that, that I think he even called it was a vanity metric. Yeah. You know, getting getting some great traction, but not real traction kind of thing, right? Exactly. It doesn't sustain the business. Um, you know, and he's also worked through some of the challenges, particularly with his image processing startup around, you know, being compassionate with your co-founders, but also, you know, struggling through some of the challenges that that happens when you lose one of those those legs of the three-legged stool. Yeah. One thing that I'm really excited to lean into between our conversation, Joel, is his conversation that he talks about about asking for help. Yeah, it's really important. And I also I think it's really interesting too how he applies the lessons from his previous startups to his new one, Painworth. And over the years, the way he's been able to become more vulnerable and how he asks for help has been really important. Definitely. I think it's really interesting, too, because he originally really dreaded being open. You know, he's generally a really private person. Yeah. Um, and opening up to being vulnerable and asking for help is is one of those things that he's had to really grow into. So it's definitely something you can learn. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really amazing how you can open yourself up to the issues that you face and people will come out. No one's going to steal your idea. You can be vulnerable and... Really, when you start reaching out to not just those people in your immediate circle, but having them introduce you to those second level connections and even those third level connections, that's when stuff really starts to happen. Oh, for sure. I think it's interesting, actually, because a lot of people will see, I don't know somebody in my network who can help me. And they they forget or they lose sight of the ability to ask somebody and just put it out there because they have a network and they have a network. You know, right. Mike talks about it being, you know, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing, right? So that, that's super interesting. And, and I think an interesting part of that reaching out and, and being open is that, you know, we talk about sales rejection and business rejection, stuff like this, that, that's a big theme among entrepreneurs. And yet we're, you know, as uncomfortable as it is, we're more okay with sales rejection and getting a lot of no's trying to find that yes, but we don't apply that same level of, you know, self-control or self-openness uh, when we're talking about asking for help for other things in the business. Oh, exactly. And it's, it's, it's so interesting because so many times you're going to knock on a door and you're going to say, here's my product. Here's what I have to sell. It's going to change your life. And people will slam the door on your face and you brush yourself off. You go to the next door and you try again. And eventually you hit that. Yes. But in that situation where it really does become much more personal, it really does feel different. And so it does make it that much harder. 
There are studies that have shown that there is this social desire to say yes. But one of the things that Mike brings up is that he that he doesn't want it to be an obligation. He wants people to actually be saying yes from their heart, right? And so there's a, a researcher from the University of Michigan. His name is Wayne Baker. He actually just came out with a book in uh, early 2020 that he calls All You Have to Do is Ask. And there are a number of reasons that he talks about where people will fear this, but why they shouldn't. So um, we can give you a few bullet points here. So a couple that I've got are, one, you'll underestimate other people's willingness to help, or you will have this over-reliance on your own self-reliance that you feel like you can do everything, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. There's this perception of a social cost, like people are going to think I'm stupid. Or maybe that psychological safety net that, you know, maybe you don't feel like you have that permission to ask for help or you do feel like you have that permission to ask for people to buy something from you. Maybe you don't know how to ask for help. That is a totally common thing because I do all this work in marketing, for example, and, and and storytelling. Oftentimes when I'm talking to the subject matter experts, they know exactly what they're talking about with whatever it is that they do, their product or their area of expertise. But when it comes to going that next step of saying, well, well, how do I ask people to, to help me with this or buy this? They, they don't always know how to do that. It's not something that's been really taught to them. And I think that's an interesting piece too, to touch on, because, you know, when you are the knowledge expert or you are super deep in something that you, you know, you're very comfortable with, um, you might not know the right question to ask. Questions are so, so powerful and helping somebody or having somebody putting it out there and having somebody be able to, you know, help you find the right question to, to get other people to help you in the way that you need help or to share their insights and saying, you know, this is the question you're asking, but are you really asking, you know, this question or do you really need this? Mike talks about that in the conversation about how a lot of times when he's asking for something, people come at him with completely tangential things that he didn't expect. And those are the most valuable things that he's gotten because it's not something on his radar, but it's super valuable to him. Honestly, this, this happens to me too, that you, you ask for something or you don't even ask for something, but you just have a conversation with people that you might not have expected to have or wanted to have or been afraid to have. And the value that you get from that is immeasurable. And most likely the value that the other person gets from that as well is that that same level because you're you're just kind of sparking each other's brains that you're really getting into this place of um, not just helping each other but making each other smarter yeah and and i think a big piece of that too is is the idea that you know a asking for help is not a weakness it's Mm -hmm. often a strength um and it's it's so amazing how enjoyable it is to have authentic you know, deep conversations with people that uh, that are there for all the right reasons and want to help you. And if they're not there for that reason, then it's okay. It's, you know, considered a sale that that failed. Um, but if they are, there's there's such an excitement and energy that really fuels people. And, mm-hmm. and I know I've talked to Mike about that as well. So with that, let's jump into the interview and uh, have a conversation with him. Yeah, Mike Zuri of Painworth. Michael Zuri, um, resident of Edmonton, Alberta. I have been so throughout my entire entrepreneurial career, but I was born in Fort McMurray, lived here since I was about 16, started my first 
not company, nonprofit, while I was still a student in university. Uh, I was a group dedicated to amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, otherwise known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I once I did that, um, won a bunch of uh, awards for the work that we had done with ALS. Uh, came back pretty confident on that. Started a digital publication with one of my closest friends. Um, this publication that was called Shave. We syndicated content to Microsoft MSN. After that, got rolled into a men's retail brand called Amadeo. I was not a founder, but I was a co-owner. That led to an image recognition company called Identify It, uh, which won some awards and ultimately didn't really go anywhere. Then I took a position at a fintech startup called Trust Science. And in January of this year, I got hit by a drunk driver. And that led to my most current startup, uh, Painworth. I don't know. There's probably some, some other things in there, but I can't sure, remember. Yeah. Oh, man. And, and I think the, the piece, of course, is sort of, you know, you've got a pretty big, broad background of entrepreneurial stuff. Like you said, you've taken some positions, you know, as a nine to five, uh, if I recall. One of the things that I, I'm curious a little bit about uh, is who inspires you in business? Like what, what got you in there? What's your origin story or, and are there people that you kind of look to or look up to uh, when you think about business? Well, see, the problem is I hate answering that question nowadays because my answer has become so cliche. Um, back in, <laughs> back in like 2013, you know, I, I would have told you Elon Musk and everyone would have been like, who the hell was that? Uh, because <laughs> on a Steve Jobs kick. Nice. Uh, and you know, I, I was, I was watching him since, yeah, since I guess, I guess midway through, through Tesla. Um, and I thought he was just awesome, but now everyone, um, is just watching that guy and I just hear everyone give that answer. So it's like the most cliche answer. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really, really have many others locally. I have a really great mentor, a guy named Ashif Mauji. Um, he's, he's a super successful tech entrepreneur here in the city. Um, he's a close personal friend and, um, yeah, I, I guess, I guess I'd say that I'd look up to him a lot. It, it's great because I actually know him, <laughs> so I can actually ask him about, you know, certain things and get him to, to field some advice for me. So. Yeah. I think that personal piece is really interesting too, because like you say, there's a lot of people that will point to someone, uh, you know, Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or some of the big names there, or even, you know, perhaps lesser known names that uh, some people may or may not know, but it's, it's always interesting because when you have that personal connection, you can ask about the story behind the story, right? You can ask about the struggles or, you know, sidesteps that they made in order to, to be successful and to get past, you know, sometimes the big failures and, and the little failures that, that they go through. No, that's a hundred percent true. I, I mean, you know, nobody's, nobody's trajectory is a straight line. And oftentimes like when you do read the headlines and stuff like that, it just seems like there's something, I don't know, innately powerful about these individuals, you know, like maybe they're immune to failure and it's just, you know, um, it's just a straight shot to the end line, which is when you start hearing about them, but that's never the truth. That's never the real story. Yeah. Um, always setbacks. There's always a ton of failure. Uh, and there's a, there's a huge history, uh, behind each of those headlines. And yeah, unless you're around to be able to ask those questions, 
um, yeah, you often don't don't hear about a lot of the personal setbacks and failures. But most importantly, um, yeah, if if you're not around to ask those questions, you can't you can't ask very specific things to your own circumstances. Um, mm. And and there's a lot of lessons that you know other people have learned that maybe are not relevant for a talk or an interview or things like that because, you know, they're so particular to a specific type of situation or event. But when you're going through something like that, if you're able to actually phone someone up and say, Hey, I have this problem. It kind of looks like this. Have you ever encountered anything like this? They can often tell you like, yeah, or maybe not quite like that, but sort of like this. And here's how we dealt with it. Yep. And that's, that's really, really powerful. It is. And I think the other thing too, I mean, mentorship has its actual element per se um, is, is interesting because even if that person doesn't have that experience themselves, they might know somebody who does, and they can obviously pair you up with that person and say, Hey, this was a really interesting challenge. This person who I have tons of respect for is, is going through that. Can you share what, you, you know, what you've gone through? Um, oh, uh- hundred percent. Yeah, no, that's, that's such an important point. Um, oftentimes like I find myself stuck on something and it's not even the people directly connected to me who, you know, are able to help me overcome that. It's usually someone that they're connected to. So it usually takes like, you know, a hop skip to get to the answer, but someone around me is usually able to point me to someone else who can help me. So yeah, yeah. yeah that's usually how, how we get past things. You know, you touched on a couple of things uh, earlier on with sort of the different uh, companies that you started. Some kind of fizzled out, you said, some were obviously more successful. Um, in terms of the, some of the harder struggles that we can kind of chew a little bit more on, although I know it's going to be a, a complete story, what were some of the biggest pieces where you had to kind of hit reset and, and, you know, what were sort of the warning signs that you realized that that was the biggest challenge? I mean, obviously the, uh, the drunk driver accident is, is probably a big one. Uh, but are there others to point to, or is, is that the, the big one that would, would be more recent or, or more applicable here? Well, you know, the drunk driver situation was definitely the most recent. I mean, I'm still literally dealing with the aftermath of that. Yep. Um, you know, and it, 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 it introduces like so many layers of complexity to my personal life. Um, you know, like I can't, I can't move around. I can't sleep as well. I can't do a lot of things that I used to do. I have to attend, you know, treatments so many times a week. It's, it's, it's a burden. Um, and I still carry that with me. So it's, it's definitely the most recent. Um, it's definitely changed, you know, the way that I have to live my daily life and so on and so forth. But you know, it's, it's not the, the only time. So I, I mean, is it the most recent? Is it relevant? Yes, yes, yes. But I think it's also difficult for many, many of your listeners to relate to. Um, and, and thank God, like, like in all honesty, I don't want more yeah, people definitely. to go through that and have this as a relatable experience. Uh, it's a terrible thing and nobody should go through it. Long story short. Um, so like maybe things that, you know, are, perhaps a little bit easier to relate to are, you know, the image recognition company, for example, was, uh, was a hard reset after, after we did that for sure. Um, that one was, it was difficult to get going. It was difficult to get off the ground. And, um, it, it was, it was a struggle to figure out like how to recover from it as well. When you were 
Look, let's deep dive into that one maybe a bit then. You know, when you were kind of working and trying to figure out how to reset after that, were you, what kind of things were you looking at? Were, were there warning signs that things weren't, weren't right? How did, how did that experience, where were the cracks in the seams? Yeah, so I, I mean, a lot of the, the cracks were, were things that, um, were, were things that like, like many people I had very little control over. Um, like cracks were, I was dependent on, uh, two other people and one of those people, um, had their life slowly unraveling Mm. and it was a person who was essentially core to our mission. Um, somebody who was, you know, like, um, key to all our intellectual property and she was a leading researcher in the field and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, her, as, as her stuff was starting to unravel, um, it, it, it made it difficult, um, for the rest of us to go forward. But, but one of the reasons we did choose to go forward anyway, like one of the reasons it was so easy to discount and ignore some of the cracks that were happening were because we were also winning on some fronts. You know, you're trying to be optimistic and you're trying to keep everything together and you just won this award. So it really just keeps pushing and creating reasons to want to try and glue everything together um, or stretch myself even thinner to, yeah, just to make it work somehow. I, I liken it to like the, the vanity metric kind of thing where it's like, oh, we've got a lot of success over here, but the core issue is, is X. And, you know, the, the core issue is that we can't, we're, we need to do more sales or we need to do X, Y, Z, whatever that might be. Did, did that kind of play a part in that? Or was it just, you know, we've got enough success here and it was just, the course correction and the ability for that, that individual to kind of be fully present wasn't, wasn't able to be kind of over overcome. Well, I, I think you're right. Like, I mean, the thing about that situation was our successes were mostly vanity. I mean, I mean, real successes, you know, being in the marketplace, you know, with users, um, actually solving like an end, end problem that people care about. We were solving a problem. It wasn't, wasn't for users. It was it was more for uh, businesses to attract users. But we we weren't there yet. Um, it it was a harder technology that we were working on. So the runway is a little bit longer towards commercialization, which means like we relied a lot, unfortunately, on a lot of like vanity metrics. Try to show like yeah, like you know things are working. And those vanity metrics were things like awards, for example, right. Yep. Um, or, or getting investor interest and, and things like that. And realistically, those aren't, those aren't real metrics. Like they don't really matter. Um, and they definitely won't fix any core problems, you know? And when, when you are so fragile as a three person, you know, tripod, you know, if one of those tripods starts breaking down, um, yeah, the thing is invariably going to fall over. You need to replace the leg. If you were to to share, you know, sort of a some some piece of, of of wisdom, either either as contextual stuff or as strategies that you've used successfully to you know move past some of these really heavy pieces of struggle uh, that you've been working on through previous companies or even the current one you have with with you know, the challenges you spoke of, um, you know, with, with the aftermath of the accident, what are some of those good nuggets that, that you could share with the, the folks that would be listening? Well, first up, seek out mentorship if you can. You know, find people in your field, whatever you're working on, who have done it uh, before 
and find a way to get them involved um, with you. There, there, there is no, there is no better uh, piece of advice that I can give for people than to seek out mentorship. Like, I mean, for me personally, um, since then, you know, I, I've I've been fortunate enough to to work with a lot of people that I admire and that I sincerely look up to. I'm so much stronger um, as a corporate leader on so many fronts as a result of that. So that's that has to go hands down as like the number one thing. Just to just to play a bit on that, you know, some people are lucky to have mentors. Um, come into their lives through organic means. Um, are there, if, if you don't have those mentors in your network, how do you, how do you go about getting those? I definitely sought mine out. So I, I reached out to my network of people and I do find that, and this will lead into my number two thing. Uh, but I do find that, you know, being open and telling people within your network, what you're looking for, uh, often, um, they will come through and find a way to get you the thing. Um, it's surprising who you don't know you're connected to, uh, indirectly through your network. Like it's, it's, it always surprises me. And I'm, I'm a very private person. Like, I mean, I, I maintain a small group. I I'm fairly social, but in terms of like, you know, people that I go out of my way to spend like my free time with, like it's, it's quite a, quite a limited group. So, so even though like I maintain very small circles and I was born into a a very small circle as well, um, it is always surprising, um, who people can connect you to. Like, like, I mean, yeah, your, your, your primary circles might be small, but your secondary circles are, are huge. Um, and that's, that's pretty much the case of everyone. And it must be so, uh, because I mean, think about that game, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? <laughs> and I was indirectly connected to the people I was looking for, and because it came from like you know a trusted intermediary and blah blah blah, those people were super willing to like meet me and talk to me, and then eventually uh, we became friends, and then um, you know, and then they became like very influential people in my life. So. Yeah. Yeah. So no, d- definitely put it out there. But that, that, like I said earlier, that goes into my number two thing, which is, you know, like, just, just like put it out there what you need. I didn't have a lot of opportunities to learn and grow from the prior successes that I had had, like the things that worked out because I got lucky with a couple things. Um, I, I really didn't, you know, learn much and I definitely didn't grow, which meant I kept making the same mistakes, which ultimately culminated in this thing that I failed at which is this image recognition thing. Yep. And, and one of the big mistakes that I made um, throughout my entire career up until that point was I just never talked about what I was doing. Like I just, I just, I was super closed off. I was always working in secret. Everything was skunk works with me. So the, the idea of being open and like, you know, sharing, I was, I was very afraid. Like, you know, if I open my mouth, you know, people are going to steal my idea or rip me off or think I'm stupid any of those things, like, and all of those yeah. things were, you know, like, I, any of those things were maybe reason for anxiety or something like that, right? Like, I mean, they're all like overwhelming ideas, but, but the reality is like, largely those aren't, those aren't true. Two people often want to help you and want to find ways to, you know, improve your experience. Um, a lot of people act, you know, act, act in good faith. And I believe it's because, you know, a lot of us believe 
it's very easy to fall into that same situation and they would want someone to reciprocate that sort of like, you know, goodwill that they're showing you in, in that moment. So for sure, you know, like people are, people are, are really, you know, surprisingly kind. I actually just like email out every single month, exactly what I need help with, what I'm struggling with, um, what's, what's going wrong and what's going right. And, and people surprise me every single month. <laughs> because uh, people people on that list will will reach back and say, "Hey, you know, I noticed you're looking for you know X or Y or Z, and I can help you with one or two or all three of those things." People generally really really want to help you because, as you say, they maybe they see themselves you know as as wanting to support, or maybe they've been down that road before. You know, I I think that's one thing that we really underestimate a lot. I absolutely used to underestimate that. I, I mean, there's there's no if ands about it. Yeah, I I was I just never recognized um, it, and and that was to my own detriment. And and it was it was unnecessary. Um, I I took the long hard road when you know people would have given me a ride and on a on a short and easy road. Right. Um, yeah, like it, it probably took me, you know, four to 10 times longer to get to a conclusion that I could have gotten to very, very quickly had I just reached out to um, my network uh, at the time. But I, I just didn't do it, um, you know, and, and that was ultimately to my detriment. And in all honesty, um, that probably exacerbated the reason why uh, that entire project failed. I don't, I don't dwell on it. I mean, ultimately I think, I think I'm in a better place and um, I'm very, very interested in the company that I'm doing right now um, more so than I was um, with that other company. And I'll also say that with my current project um, we're probably growing a hundred times faster. Um, but it's all because like, you know, I, I ask for help, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're growing a hundred times faster, but, uh, I put myself out there. Like I'm, I'm vulnerable to my network every single month. And I also let them hold me accountable every single month. Um, and you know, like it, it would have sounded super risky to a version of me 10 years ago. Like if I took like, you know, a younger version of myself, from, you know, a decade ago, that would have sounded like absolutely crazy and super risky. If you want, you want to give a shout out to the, the company and project that you're working on now so folks can take a look at you? So I, I trying not to be commercial about it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the company is called Painworth. So P-A-I-N, pain, and then worth, like how much is your pain worth? And uh, yeah, what we do is we do automated uh, personal injury settlements. Um, so we give people an option um, who have had a personal injury. So maybe you don't want to see a lawyer, maybe you want to settle things yourself, or maybe you do have a lawyer, but you want to hold them accountable. The problem is with the industry, like um, it's sort of a, a closed black box. There's no way to benchmark whether or not they're doing a good job for you. So we provide people with an alternative um, and it's online and yeah, you can run your, your entire settlement through us. Pretty pertinent stuff, at least, um, <laughs> At least from my perspective, as someone who's going through a uh, pretty severe personal injury right now as a, as a result of being hit by a drunk driver. And the project started just as, um, just as me trying to solve a personal problem. I was going through the legal services industry and honestly, Justin, it was so broken and frustrating and fragmented and 
there just there just are not enough negative adjectives to describe just how how painful and um, predatory the legal services industry is. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I built this tool as a solution, but then people started reaching out saying, hey, you know, uh, we're in a similar boat and we need that too. Um, so now we're turning it into a commercial product for everyone. That's, that's awesome. It resonates with me. Um, I know a couple of people that have gone through some of that process and, uh, you know, I, I know it's going to be awesome and uh, look forward to seeing how, how things go as they, they move forward with that company with you. Cause as you say, your ability now to, to be vulnerable and to share what you need is, uh, is very encouraging and inspiring to, to definitely folks that, that hopefully need that. Back in Business is executive produced by the two of us, Justin Bertignoli and me, Joel McGelnick. Our theme is by Purple Planet Music. Want to be featured on Back in Business? Email us at story at backinbusiness.io. Again, that's story at backinbusiness.io. Find resources, assistance, or just someone to lean on by visiting us at backinbusiness.io. 